The Institute of Art and Ideas is excited to announce Closer to Truth as an official partner for our upcoming How the Light Gets In Festival at Hey on Why, happening this year, May 24th to 27th. Closer to Truth examines humanity's deepest questions with the world's greatest thinkers, from Nobel laureates and renowned scientists to theologians and best-selling authors. For 20 years, Closer to Truth has explored the deep questions of cosmos, consciousness, and meaning. This year, host Robert Lawrence Kuhn journeys to new depths with their philosophy of biology season, exploring topics like evolution, race, alien intelligences, sex and gender, and much more. Get early access to full episodes from this brand new season by registering for a free membership at their website, closertotruth.com. Discover the fundamental issues of existence, engage new and diverse ways of thinking, and seek out your own answers with Closer to Truth. The Institute of Art and Ideas, articles, videos, and podcasts. Hello and welcome to Philosophy for Our Times, the podcast that brings you the world's leading thinkers on today's biggest ideas. On today's episode, we're exploring the role of religion in our modern society. Might religion, in the form of shared rituals and values, once again have a role to play? Or are religions anachronistic, often dangerous belief systems that should be consigned to the dustbin of history? To discuss these questions, we're joined by chemist Peter Atkins, writer and broadcaster Miriam Francois, and philosopher Hilary Lawson. Religion has had a pretty poor track record in keeping the world at peace, and I think we should acknowledge that. And I think uh, humans have had a pretty bad track record of keeping well, the it's, planet It's humans who peace. hold religious beliefs who have brought the world into its current state. I genuinely feel like people who make that statement are genuinely not very well versed with how theology and politics mix. If you enjoy today's episode, don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Leave us a review, join the conversation on Facebook and Twitter, and head over to our website, iai.tv. Back now to our host for this week's debate, Mark Salter. It's been about 150 years since Matthew Arnold wrote of the withdrawing roar of faith. And uh, as, as it, it seems that slowly that, you know, we're, having a, we're witnessing a slow retreat from what God really means in our world, or perhaps religion. Our churches have emptied. But as they've done so, it seems that our belief in science and progress has also begun to falter. We find ourselves in a new time, an uncertain time, in which our beliefs are challenged. All beliefs, it seems, are challenged, and perspectives jostle with each other in a relative world. So in a culture where we feel sometimes quite lost, should we once more look at spiritualism afresh? Is it time to ask those questions again? Would religion, in some form, help us make sense of our limitations and values? Could we once again find a place for religion? Or rather, are all our belief religious systems anachronistic and should be consigned to the rubbish bin of history? Well, I have three people who have three very, very different angles on that particular point of view. On my right is uh, Peter Atkins, um, who is a chemist. He's a committed atheist. Uh, he's a writer of a wide range of popular books, of which Imagining the Universe, I think, Peter, was the most recent. But perhaps your book On Being, I think, was the title, perhaps the most germane to this particular debate. And um, Peter's central argument, as I understand it, is that religion is lazy thinking. And it doesn't really allow us to take a full grasp of the sheer complexity and sophistication of human understanding and comprehension. Next to me on my left is Miriam Francois. She's an Anglo-French writer, a politician, um, forgive me, a philosopher, a broadcaster and a writer. And at the age of 21, she committed to the Islamic faith because for her at that time, and still I imagine, it continued, at that time it provided a succinct answer to many of the questions that she was asking about her world and her relationship to it. Uh, Miriam is currently, I think you're an associate professor, a, a reader at um, SOAS in, in Islamic studies, yes? She's been outspoken in some of her ideas about the role of Islam, and particularly its misperceptions and perceptions in the West. On the far left, I have Hilary Lawson, uh, who is a post-postmodernist philosopher who's perhaps best known for some of his work on closure, the title of his book. Hilary's ideas are complex, but what it really boils down to is this. Our language and our habits of thought close down the human mind and get in the way of a true understanding of what reality can usefully be understood as. Language trips us up. Hilary is also the director of the IAI TV, the Institute of Art of Ideas, and of course, it's probably 
philosophically correct to say that were he not here, we wouldn't be either. He's the boss. So, <laughs> what I really want to do is get, get on with really with, with the, the questions, but as is customary, each of these people, each of our speakers will give a three-minute pitch, and I might be quite stiff about this, and I don't want to run over time because we haven't got a lot of time to get through. And what I'd really like to do is start, let me think, with um, Miriam. Okay. So... What is religion, Miriam? What is religion? Well, well, first off, it's probably worth pointing out that the word religion is a product very much of a Western-centric-led form of study of what we would understand as religion in this context. There are lots of other cultures that wouldn't refer to their system of beliefs using the term religion. And even in Islam, we use the word deen, which is more akin to a way of life than it is to the notion of a religion where there might be some sort of um, separation, if you like, you know, the idea that you have sort of secular life and religious life, which might be restricted to a particular part of your life. But to, to touch on whether you know, in a world of competing perspectives, does religion have a new role to play? First off, um, I personally don't buy into the very enduring myth of an inherent conflict between science and spiritual beliefs in various manifestations. I think many people um, of faith, myself included, see the um, beauty of uh, what can be uncovered through science as part of a wider revelation of what we might call God or a wider force in the world. So I don't necessarily buy into the assumption that there's an inherent conflict there. And in fact, I think um, this is a constructed uh, dichotomy that, that in many ways uh, debases the conversation between people of faith and people of no faith, because in many ways, what people of what scientists, whether of faith or not faith, are doing is exploring the universe, which for us is exploring God's creation, and so in therefore uh, doing something which is in many ways godly work. I don't, I don't just don't buy the dichotomy. The second point I wouldn't want to make is this idea that, um, you know, in this world of competing perspectives, we often situate debates on religion because of where we sit in the world here in the UK as religion being like a minority perspective. It is worth pointing out that, you know, globally, the majority of people in this world hold some form of religious belief. According to the most recent Gallup polls, around 62% of people globally identify as religious. 74% uh, of people believe that we have a soul. 71% say they believe in God. Uh, less than a quarter of people globally say that they do not see themselves as non see themselves as non-religious, and only nine percent see themselves as atheistic. For that reason alone, I think it's worth considering perhaps um, what I, I think to assume that atheism or a religiousness is the direction of travel is to take a, a somewhat arrogant position vis-a-vis -vis the truth claims made by other peoples and cultures. It's basically saying, you know, we are the arrived people, we are basically more advanced <clears throat> intellectually, basically we're smarter than the rest of you, and we've got it and you don't. And I, I sort of don't think that that's a very wise position to take. I think maybe we have a lot to learn from how other people look at the world. Um, Finally, sorry, because I know we only have doing this, but the, the, new, the idea that it has a, no, a new role, I don't think it has a new role to play. I think it has the same role that it's always had to play. For me, I mean, I come at this as a perennialist Muslim. I think that my faith and that of many people that I know is designed to do several things and overarchingly is to create a sense of peace with oneself, within your family, within your community, within wider society, and within your wider environment. It, it, it's aimed at targeting your ego so that you don't think that the world is here to serve you, but that you are part of a wider balance, which means respecting others, respecting the planet. And let's come back to some yeah. of those points. Sure. Of <laughs> but uh, first of all, or third, second of all, rather, Peter, can we hear your pitch? Mm, my pitch is that religion is dangerous nonsense, and that it... it and, and it should be stamped out forthwith. I mean, uh, religion claims that you will understand the nature of the world, but it claims that you will do so only after you are dead. Uh, science provides information on this side of the grave, and I, I think it's much more rewarding to think that one will understand the, the nature of the fabric of reality um, before you are dead. I think um, 
uh, religions scorn the power of human understanding uh, by saying that you simply will never understand the nature of, of the world and the, and the workings of the world and the origins of the world. Scientists and science in general is optimistic about the power of human understanding and it will say, give us time, give us collaboration, and we will achieve understanding, and you will understand it before you are dead. So I think that there is, um, I, I think also that um, humanity should be proud that it has stumbled on this extraordinary simple way of discovering the nature of the world. That is by collaborating, by doing experiments, by setting one's explanations into a network of supporting um, uh, theories, quite unlike religion. I mean, think of the conflict between um, Islam and Christianity, where they meet at their various intellectual frontiers. There are no such clashes in the different various frontiers of science. Biology... <laughs> Biology, biology thrives through its interaction with physics. Cosmology thrives on its interaction with um, all the sciences. So um, it, that strongly suggests to me that science is the superior mode of understanding and that religion, that contaminant of the truth, has no role to play. Thank you. Succinctly put. Hilary, what's your view? So I'm hopefully cast some light on how we might be able to make sense of these two positions, but I, I fear that I might alienate both of them. Um, <laughs> so uh, humans have always tried to make sense of the world uh, from the outset of our attempts at civilization. And before the arrival of uh, science, uh, that was backed uh, by the authority of somebody, either the authority of the leader of the group or by the tribe itself or by suppo some supposed higher uh, deity of some form or other. And um, then, of course, along came the Enlightenment, which imagined that uh, uh, in a combination of observation and uh, reason that we would be able to give uh, a human account of our understanding of the world and gradually get to a point where we can describe it correctly. And of course, science has been a spectacular uh, advertisement for that enlightenment view. It has radically changed our lives and uh, surely for the most part for the massively better, it's, it's completely changed our capacity to do things and what we can achieve and so forth. And so, uh, science deserves a uh, uh, profound level of respect for what it has been able to achieve. But uh, I don't think that science is describing uh, the ultimate state of, of the universe or has succeeded in doing so. And what has happened in the uh, 20th century, really, is that those principles, those enlightenment principles of observation and reason have uncovered the limitation of that very method. Uh, because what they have identified is that the particular theories that we build of the world um, are constrained by our social circumstances, our culture, and indeed by our species character, the way that we think, the way that we interpret the world. And uh, as a result, we it seems implausible that science has somehow magically been able to escape these perspectival uh, characteristics and is able to reach through and say how the world is ultimately. Now, I've tried to give an account of that in terms of saying that what's going on with our theories is they're not describing the world. They provide us with metaphors to intervene in the world, and we can ever more refine those metaphors to intervene more successfully, but they don't describe an ultimate reality. Now, where does that leave uh, religion? Uh, and is there a new space for religion in that, in that context, in this sort of 21st century perspectival world that we all find ourselves in? Well, 
In answer to that, I want to distinguish between two elements of religion, what I'm going to call the esoteric side of religion and the exoteric side of religion. And the esoteric side of religion is one which in some sense is unsayable, and it's sort of uh, an inchoate uh, sense that uh, there is a limitation to human understanding, that uh, there is a whole lot of stuff that we can't actually get to. And the exoteric side of religion is a set of beliefs about uh, what we actually think about the world. Now, the esoteric side of religion, I think there is some support for in this new perspectival space, because there is a whole lot of stuff which is beyond all perspectives. That is, I think, for sure, just, just finishing it. But the exoteric side of religion, the set of beliefs that most religions actually hold, um, are actually in opposition to that esoteric sense. There are a sense, we've discovered it, and this is what it is. Well, the whole point of the exoteric is we've not discovered it. And what's more, those exoteric beliefs, I would agree with Peter, are not only uh, a very bad way of understanding the world, they're positively dangerous. So yes, I think that there's a space for a, an, an esoteric notion of our understanding, but there's no space for the exoteric. And on the exoteric front, surely science is a hugely better framework. Thank you, Hilary. So we have three very interesting views, not necessarily radically opposing in every respect, and, but uh, I think it's fair to say that uh, that Miriam has advanced a, a persuasive argument in some ways for the fundamental value that religion is doing some good. Peter, on the other hand, has given a diametric opposition to that particular aspect. And Hillary has twice, I heard, used the word perspectival. Depends on your point of view. So I'd like to take that perspectival notion a little bit further. We touched already, Miriam, on the notion of what religion actually means, but can it provide a universal account of everything from you know, a sort of, as it were, um, a true account of the world, a true perspective on the world? Um, well, I was chairing a debate yesterday on, on the notion of truth, and, and that, again, is the idea, depending on where you come at this question, that you uh, might have very different uh, explanations of that truth, depending on where you're standing when you're looking at it. And I think as, as a Muslim coming from within the perennialist tradition, which is essentially, for those who aren't familiar with it, the idea that all through time, there have been uh, forms of, of guidance, of revelation that have been sent to mankind to encourage us to live a life in balance with the world around us and to provide us with the, the tools that are best adapted to uh, achieving that equilibrium, uh, as I said, both in, in, in an interpersonal uh, dimension, but also in a wider social, environmental uh, way as well. And so in that sense, the manifestations of those revelations will look different. You know, you'll say, well, Buddhism looks very different to Christianity, looks very different to Hinduism, looks very different to Islam. But what we would say is that actually, in their essence, these are just different uh, frameworks that are all encouraging people in their context-specific environment towards achieving uh, a balance between themselves and the world around them. I don't, I don't really see, like I said, the conflict between science and religion. I think science is basically there to... Science is a description, <clears throat> and, and, and religion is there, or faith, or, or whatever spiritual framework you adhere to, is there to provide the framework and the direction for where you want to direct human ingenuity. Um, I would say, for example, that we could look at a lot of damage that science does when it isn't at the service of uh, a wider good, that we can think of, you know, the, 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 the pursuit of scientific inquiry needing to be led by a higher moral purpose. And from my perspective, uh, religion, faith, moral frameworks provide a context through which the science and any other form of, of human uh, ingenuity can be directed towards a higher moral good. Uh, or should be, certainly. Uh, that isn't to say that we have uh, examples around us that would be a good counter to that. Peter, what's your take on that? Well, I, th I think there is nothing that science cannot elucidate, uh, and that includes morality, and it includes the origin of the universe, and it in includes the workings of the universe, and it, in it includes the, the, the marginal madness of people who adopt religions as a way of, of proceeding with their lives. I think there's a role for psychiatry, 
and psychology in understanding the behavior of people. There's certainly um, a, a role for anthropology to understand tribal ways of behaving. Um, and it is certainly true to, to um, pick up a couple of words that you used a moment ago, that, that science provides a description. Um, but I would add to that that um, religion provides um, a delusion. Um, the, the religion is driven by personal angst uh, about the worries that one encounters in, in, in the day. It is a rational approach to those, not some kind of wishy-washy, esoteric vision of what the world might be that will provide an, um, help and indeed solace. I think understanding provides solace. I think wishful thinking is a total deception. So, Peter, you seem to be saying that science is going to come up with all the answers. Yes. Hasn't got a pretty good track record so far on all of the answers. Well, like, a lot of the questions are stupid questions and, <laughs> and, 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 and don't, don't deserve answers. I mean, there, there, are, there are questions like, what is, the, what is the purpose of the universe? There is no purpose. I think it's rather wonderful to think of this enormous blob of stars just hanging there, totally purposelessly, totally useless. Henry, what's your take on this idea yeah. of purposeful, stupid versus non-stupid questions in this context? Well, I'm afraid I'm just not standing in the same space as either of our other speakers. Can you say more about that? I, I don't think that our theories and way that we talk about the world is capable of description of some ultimate reality. I don't think that is what's going on. I can describe, you know, this table, I can say there's a glass here, uh, but I could also say it's a collection of silicon atoms. I could also say it's an example in a conversation. I could say uh, it's a weapon. If I pick it up and try to throw it at somebody, there's there's an indefinite number of ways that we can hold elements of the world. And what that is about is not that some underlying thing behind all of these different perspectives, but they are all closures, ways that enable us to intervene. And science undoubtedly enables us to intervene. We might think it's sometimes used uh, badly, but it's enormously powerful. Um, uh, you might argue that religion uh, enables this to intervene, but on that basis, and it does, but on that basis, I certainly come down on the scientific side because I think that the way that religion is used by different people who have different belief systems to justify their actions leads to terrible consequences and wars and all of those sorts of things. And, and so as a framework of closing the world, I'm not in favor of those arbitrary ways of choosing to... Uh, hold it. Can, can I yeah. just come back? Please Sorry. You know, what, what I find probably quite sad about a lot of these conversations, and I frequently get to enjoy them, are um, uh, the fact that there's, there's a real sense of moral arrogance, in my view, from the scientific community, who by and large have made very little effort to actually investigate the fields of which they speak so derogatively. Um, and by that, I mean that there are actual entire departments dedicated to the study of religion. They're called theology departments. There are actual experts who spend their entire life studying these systems of beliefs, their origins, their value systems, their functions, their modes of making sense of the world. And to come along and to just be it, think that you can make a sweeping generalization about all of these systems of beliefs and to create these false dichotomies, which essentially are very much rooted in a conflict that occurred within European history between science and religion. And that is not the same conflict that we find elsewhere in the world. I even, as I said before, the idea that we would distinguish between the two, that we create this uh, sense that the creator and the created are part of different worlds is not manifested in all belief systems throughout the world. I think to, to come back to this idea that we, because it almost feels every time I'm in these conversations that somehow religion has to make a case for itself. And I really don't think it does. I think you need to just look at the state of the world today and you need to question, okay, we have these tremendous forces at, at our fing fingertips in, in our privileged part of the world. 
Science is one of them. It's an incredible tool and it can be directed in any which way. The question is, what are we as humans choosing to direct it towards? Is it human progress for all? Are we thinking that actually we are just one part of a wider creation and that, as I understand it, we were created in order to exist in, in, in symbiosis with the world around us, meaning we have a level of accountability to a higher power about the impact that our individual actions have on the world around us. You cannot just simply go and you know mine huge parts of the world with no regard for the animals that live there, for the impact on the soil, for the people that live there. You can't simply go but, and burn huge parts of the Amazon to grow palm yeah. oil. You, I, I you, think religion has had a... Religion has had a pretty poor track record in keeping the world at peace, and I think we should acknowledge that. And I think uh, humans uh, have had a pretty bad track record of keeping well, the it's, planet in peace. It's humans who peace. hold religious beliefs who have brought the world into its current state. I genuinely feel like people who make that statement are genuinely not very well versed with how theology and politics mix. There is always God help us. a religious justification. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, a, 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 <laughs> There's the, 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 the religious veneer that can be added to any political justification is a powerful argument for motivating people to come on board with your agenda. And, you know, governments, leaders around the world of various perspectives have done that. But that's been true of any kind of ideology. In other words, if you want to galvanize people behind your agenda, you need to come up with some grand idea of why it is that they need to come on board with you. And religion can and has been instrumentalized to that purpose, and it's a it's a debasement. And it's of the what whole religion point of religion is to to propagate conflict. Um, really I mean, not. Islam it's is exactly the opposite against of that. Christianity. Christianity may be com uh, um, propagating conflict against Islam, but you cannot deny that belief in the um, in something that cannot be proved rationally, has to resort to the sword or the bomb in order to propagate itself. Can I speak Absolutely about how not. do you say it's the whole point of religion? <laughs> well, not just that, but can we come back to Islam is, you know, seeking conflict with, with Christianity? Yes, because, frankly, you cannot just throw okay. out these statements yeah. in the climate in which we live and not yeah. be challenged on it. That is totally unacceptable. <laughs> I'm not standing for it. I'm not standing for it. But, As a Muslim, you, you believe that I am you, seeking conflict with no, Christians not, in this country? Not, not, in, not individuals, I think. No, like yourself. I mean, there are sophisticated people. Who I, are, have, I have Muslim uh, friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but, but societies governed by religious precepts are at war with each other. That is not the case societies in Societies are at war with each other, right? yes. But, uh, Covertly or overtly, if yeah. you want to look at China and America and yeah. Russia. It's obviously the case that I don't take Peter's view that science is somehow able to reach through, say how it is definitively, and it's but and that's it's, pessimism. And, and, it, and it's that's all pessimism. and it's it's all over. Science is a way of holding the world. It's not the way of holding the world. It's a very powerful way of holding the world. But my challenge to Miriam it? would be that um, uh, 130 years ago. Uh, Fraser wrote The Golden Bough, and in that he listed the religions from around the world, hundreds of views, one after the other, relentlessly. And it had a radical effect on culture, because he included Christianity in that, much to the horror of Victorian society. And it became implausible that you just read one and there's another one, and for every sort of organization and tribe in the world, there's another religious frame. And on what grounds do you choose? There's just all of these... And so it begins to. to look as if it's not plausible to imagine that any one of those religions could have somehow be the answer. Yeah. And so how, surely in advocating a religion, you're saying, well, just, just, just go for one of these and imagine it's the case. And how different that is from science. Where, it, it is very different. Where, where science bubbles up in all the countries, in all the cultures of the world, and is not in conflict anywhere. Sure, Science but, not in, in conflict anywhere. We, well, yeah, so to, to come back to that, I think it, it is a slight, slight misnomer, the idea that, we, that if you believe in one religious tradition, that you inherently believe that another religious tradition is false. I believe that Islam is the right way of um, 
achieving a sense of serenity for myself, but I don't believe that Christians are wrong, nor do I believe that Hindus are wrong in their belief systems. I believe that anything that essentially directs you towards uh, a connection with a higher power, which helps you to uh, essentially contextualize your place in this world. I think there's a human arrogance that comes from thinking that you are the master of this universe. And, and I think it's much more empowering to realize that actually you are just one small part of a much wider puzzle. And therefore, as part of that puzzle, you have to learn to, to, to control the impact of your behavior on others so that your, le your legacy, the impact you leave behind, is one that is of progress for all rather than just simply individualism, you know, profit, accumulation of wealth for yourself, whatever the detrimental impact so, that may be on others. So I'm all in support of, as you say, the esoteric side of religion, of recognizing the limitation of being human and the humility that that should yeah, give to Yeah, I think it's a really important point. Us, but we also have to recognize that for the last thousand years of Christianity in this part of the world, um, both sides of the, those carrying out wars have prayed to their God yeah. to deliver their outcome. Yeah. So do and, we... and that's and that the, yeah. the religion can be used to support um, whatever you want to believe for your action, and it can justify that action. Yeah. Um, and uh, that I feel uncomfortable with. I'm very happy with the idea of of the the uh, underlying esoteric sense of thinking. We yeah. are limited in our capacity. But yeah. as soon as it's turned into a set of beliefs, then I think this is properly scary. Well, so what to is give the you... evidence for, being, for us being limited in our capacity? Well, I think the whole of the intellectual history of the 20th century has demonstrated the impossibility no, but... of there being an ultimate description of the world. That happens no, in quantum no, no, mechanics. No. The that's, quantum that's mechanics builds in the observer into the system. No, that is no, completely no. in contradiction with no, the idea that's, of that's, describing an that's ultimate a total version. philosophical pessimism. I mean, science proceeds through optimism and is currently in a phase of discovering the nature of the fabric of reality but and does not see any impediment to that except um, impatience. Do you want to hear more from the world's leading thinkers? If the answer to that question is yes, subscribe to IAI.tv for unlimited access to thousands of debates, talks, articles, academy courses and live events. Are you bored of the surface level news, politics, sports and entertainment coverage on your newsfeed? Go deeper, get the philosophy behind the news and get the latest big ideas from the world's leading thinkers on subjects at the core of the human condition, life, the universe and everything in between. It's free for the first month. And there's no commitment to pay, so subscribe now to understand the world beyond the surface level. Peter, I want to talk about the progress of science a little yeah. more, the inexorable progress of science. Yeah. But, but so far, I've heard nothing from the, as it were, from either of you, of taking a slightly non-religious stance, about, about what science can say about humility. Oh, no one's told me anything about that yet. So yes. can I ask, well, given that, you know, you have, that science does appear to be operating in something of a, 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 a vacuum of compassion, yeah. it would seem to me, from, certainly compared to what I've heard from yeah. Miriam, can I ask, where is science going to take us? Well, no, I mean, but, but, is, is religion doomed by the progress of science? Well, let's hope so. Progress? But, can, but, we question, uh, can we, can we but, question but, progress? One moment. Let me talk about humility, first of all. Sure. I, th I think it is we scientists who, who show the greater humility that that the religious are showing arrogance because they have a, have a, um, a, 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 a line to God. We do not have that line. We are amazed that collaboration between humans in using the scientific method of discovery, the openness of it, the awareness that we have to explore the world without prejudice, and that is in fact the case, and that most of all that science can get things wrong. Religion can't get things wrong. We, yes, science, can. science can't get things, does get things wrong. And it's through its admission that it gets things wrong that it makes progress. Religion doesn't make progress. I, I'd really, for, firstly, I, I think, again, that's a misunderstanding of religion. If you go back, I mean, I'm, I'm just going to talk about Islam because I can't speak for all religions, but actually the number of debates 
with, among scholars over, you know, various issues, it could be anything, debating one another, changing opinions, you know, saying something that was said, you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago is actually wrong and now we look at it differently. That is all there. Just because you don't know it doesn't mean it's not there. And the second point I really have to make is no, about progress. There's no so, progress. But, well, okay, can we talk this, about this progress for wrong. just a minute? Because I think, I think that to talk about progress from where we're situated is to assume that science and technology has been positive for everyone. Can we just take a second and acknowledge that science and technology has not been positive for everyone? It might be positive for you with your iPhones and your nice TVs and for me with my nice electric car and, you know, living a, a much more comfortable lifestyle. But for many people around the world, sophisticated technology has meant harsher forms of punishment, higher ways of... Um, better means of keeping people who are fleeing danger and war out of safe zones. It's meant keeping people in uh, prisons with more sophisticated means. It, it means using more sophisticated forms of torture, though you may not be aware of them. Technology has also meant using systems that control the humans that produce the technology that we enjoy, um, exploiting them to, uh, to every last drop so that when the factories in China saw a number of people who were producing iPhones committing suicide, iPhone turned around and, of course, decided that the best solution to overworking their uh, workers was to install nets um, outside the windows so that they couldn't jump or at least they wouldn't die when they did. I'm just, the idea that we're on this relentless pursuit of progress through technology is honestly so Western-centric. There are many people around this world for whom that technology is actually having a very detrimental impact, specifically the kids that are mining the stuff that we need for our phones or the stuff that we need for our makeup. There's, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a little bit more complex than the idea that somehow we are beholden to this scientific project that's bringing us all forward through history. It's not, it's not the case. So, so I, I, I agree with Miriam that we can't possibly have a single notion of progress. And indeed, I would be critical of science in the sense of saying that I think science is a form of theology. It imagines that it's actually got to the bottom of things and that it's described... And it, and it has described how the world is, or it would be able to describe how the world is. I don't think there is a decent uh, account of how science is capable of doing that. We've, we've not been able to develop an account of how theory applies to the world in such a way that we could actually uncover some ultimate account of what it is. But we can improve on our, uh, our frameworks, on our accounts of the world, and that is the power of uh, the Enlightenment and the power of observation and reason, which is we can have a model of the world and we can try to improve it. And that has, has great potential. And in contrast to that, I do agree with Peter that in general it's the case that religion functions on the basis of authority. The authority comes from somewhere. You're not about trying to improve it. You're just trying to use it to get an outcome that you want. And I'm very uncomfortable with, with that idea. So I'm uncomfortable both with the theology of science and with the theology of religion. Instead, I think we want to be open in the way that we uh, approach the world in the sense that we need to build our models and our accounts of it, but not imagine that we can ever get to the outcome. But and, why not? And, and in that sense, have a deep humility oh. about what our thought and our language can achieve. But that's pessimism. That's, I mean, look at, look at the progress in understanding that has come in the past 200 years by the application of the scientific method. We are moving forward. We are displacing old theories by new theories, which are more precise and give us greater insight into the nature of the world. There is real progress in science. You cannot deny it. For who? And when it comes Half to, a million when people it... a year die from malaria. Yes, we can protect ourselves from malaria through science. A lot of people in the world cannot. Like, the science you're talking about is a but science of the privilege. we're enabling people through medicine and through um, developments in molecular biology. We are seeing ways of controlling malaria. Yes, in theory, but for whom? For are you the then applying that? people who might have got it and won't get it because science is providing the way forward. And religion doesn't protect you from malaria, does it? I think that's what's called a cheap shot. Um, yeah, but, but answer <laughs> um, it. 
Sorry? Answer the shock. It, there, there's no shock because there's no contradiction for me between religion and malaria. I would never advise someone entering a malaria zone just to pray. Like That's not going to happen. And I don't know anybody that would. My point to you was that when we talk about science, yes, incredible developments that are, in theory, capable of helping humankind. At that point, what we need is religion to say, hold on, this can't be dedicated to the purpose of profit. We can't allow the values of capitalism and individualism to harness that science for its own ends. We need to use a higher moral framework that actually says, hold on, you're just one part of a global community. Any progress that you're involved in has to but, progress everybody's world. The and therefore, you need to apply that. And I'm not saying everybody does it, by the yeah. way. Just So can I just touch for on sure. what you said? For me, the highest form of arrogance is religious people who think that they can harness religion for their own interests. It's the worst form of arrogance. And we see it all the time. It's disgusting. I'm not going to defend it just to be clear on that. But I do think that, that, that religion has the capacity where applied through a stricture that is not very fashionable today because actually most people want, just a, a side point, that mindfulness is the big, the big trend now, right? Everybody's really into spirituality within, without any formal constraints on what you have to do. I'm an, an adherent of religion and, I, and, and I'm an adherent of religion because I think spirituality devoid of the actual demands on your ego of fasting, of praying, of giving, of actual contemplation of your responsibility vis-a-vis -vis others is essentially the most useful form of spirituality within capitalism. It allows you to feel good about yourself while you continue to consume and continue to be part of the system. And so the religion I'm advocating for is never going to be the one that serves itself. It's one that aims to serve a higher purpose. But you'd get the same service by going to a psychiatry department or a psychology department in a hospital somewhere. They would help you find this sense of peace. You don't need to Have believe you... in... I would say, yeah, Peter, I... on that subject, so we, so speaking as a psychiatrist, I know yeah. that more and more people <laughs> are coming to me in a state of profound distress. And it does seem, if anything, despite all the, the wonderful things that science is dishing out to us, <laughs> people are getting sadder and more frightened. And one, a question I want to ask is this. Where is it going to take us in the future? Will, is it possible that religion, maybe not necessarily a particular belief, but some framework, the human appetite for ritual and devotion and awe even, might be usefully harnessed along the lines that, from, uh, that Miriam is saying? Yeah. I mean, What's the future? I mean, well, well, will the future, the future science the, eradicate religion altogether? No, I'm afraid not. I mean, I mean, r religion is so easy to adopt as an explanation. It really isn't. It uh, really uh, it's, isn't. It's so easy to adopt as a mode of understanding the world and a kind of balm for the difficulties that one encounters each day and overcoming the angst about what happens after your body decays and you're dead. Um, so it's so easy. Science is so difficult. Um, you've got really to work on science in order to understand how it provides answers to the great questions of being. I'm going to argue the exact opposite, that actually science, the way that you're describing it, which actually I'm not going to describe it as science, I'm going to say a religiousness, the idea that you have no sense of moral responsibility beyond your own desires and whims is actually very lazy. Religion, if you ever try to adhere... Who said that? I'm, 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 I'm saying I'm, it. <laughs> scientists don't adopt the view that they have no moral responsibility. Well, Some of the most moral, as an morally responsible people on earth have been scientists. Of course, and there are also religious scientists. We need to also mess up these boundaries. There's not just, you know, atheistic scientists and, you know, religious people that don't follow science. I mean, but, but the point that I wanted to make wasn't about um, this dichotomy, which again, I really don't want to get enmeshed in. It's that actually religion makes demands on you and it makes demands that are not that run completely contrary to everything that is part and parcel of what our culture tells us. Enjoy, go for it, do everything you want to do, consume, have fun, don't think about the, you know, the, the responsibility towards others. It makes you engage in forms of ritual and personal self-restraint, which are designed to connect you to a wider community of people who may not be as, as privileged or as, as able as you are. And but so you don't need in a that God sense, for that. So, well, Sure, that, that yeah. could be your choice. I'm not trying to convince you. I'm not trying to convince you. No, but you're using it as an argument for there being a God. But you don't no, I, I'm need using a God it. For, I'm using for, it. for behaving morally. 
Well, a god, I wouldn't say a god, because I think different religious frameworks don't necessarily all have a god at their centre, but there's usually well, a sense of a higher power yeah. and an accountability well, to a higher power. Yeah. yeah, I do think accountability is a really important part of well, that's uh, just religious frameworks. You don't need a god for that. Hillary, yeah. I mean... Well, I just want to... Uh, risk of being repetitive, I want to come back to the distinction I made at the outset between the esoteric and the exoteric. The esoteric side of religion I'm proposing to you is the idea of a recognition, recognition of the limitation of humankind. And that recognition of the limitation of humankind, and it's the sort of sense of, well, we, maybe it's the sort of feeling we get when we stand under the stars at night or on a seashore with a storm rising, and we just think, wow. Now, that, um, that is a deep recognition, uh, inchoate recognition, of the failure of our accounts of the world to really account for what we've got. And that sense, the esoteric sense of religion, is, in, is, I think, found in all religions. And that's the sense in which they all share that, that uh, mystery, as it were. But the moment that mystery is described in a particular way and given a particular character with a particular god or a particular set of rules or a particular account of what that mystery is, then you're going to get into the problem that the other people will have different accounts of that, that exoteric. And those exoteric versions of religion are often profoundly at odds with each other. And that's why small variations in religion result in people killing each other. And so I, I say, yes, the esoteric side of religion, yes, there is absolutely space for that humility, the human humility of recognizing the limitation of human capacity. But let's not get into the point of thinking that we've actually got out of that human limitation. And we've seen how it really is in the form of some particular set of religions, which we need to avoid at all costs. I think the only point I would... Yeah, the, the only place I would slightly disagree is with if I bring up a, a quote by Rumi that some of you might be familiar with, that religions are different rivers that flow into the same sea. That, that the idea that actually it is possible to hold on to your truth paradigm without necessarily believing that those who adhere to a different one are engaged in falsehood that requires some form of, of violence. But unfortunately, as you point out, history and current affairs does not necessarily reflect that. And, I, and I'd make, I'm not here to justify the actions of, of you know, in my view, ego-driven led men, particularly primarily men, um, who, who are using violence to advance, I think, political goals, but using religion as a very useful veneer uh, to justify their actions. And in fact, by the way, can I just say that within religious communities, the use of violence to justify political ends is a huge source of contention because what most of you will be hearing will be the violent minority perspective of our religion we're, we're seeing the whole majority of us sitting around going, hold on, you're subverting rules that have been around for 1,400 years to justify political action today. Who are you? Who are you to justify doing this? And we're having to sit here and take the blame for it. No, my friend, you stand over there. We want nothing to do with it. Because then when we walk down the street, I mean, not so much for me, because I don't, I used to wear a headscarf, but if you wear a headscarf, if you've got a beard, you're suddenly being targeted in the street as somehow being beholden to this exclusivist, dangerous worldview. Actually, we're the ones on the internal side arguing very much against that. I think this is applause from above. <laughs> I still go back to Hillary's contempt for the human, for the power of human comprehension. It's a typical philosopher's position to, to regard the human brain, even when working collectively, that's better, um, to, um, to, to say that we are too intellectually too puny to understand. Look at the extraordinary progress we've made with the mathematization of, 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 of nature. We can set up equations and solve them and get agreement with observation with, to, with extraordinary precision. And I think if, if you regard progress towards understanding fundament, the fundamentals of the universe, then it is to mathematics that you have to look. 
I mean, it's difficult to argue sure. with this. But, but I think I'm, I'm not as dissimilar in my position as you, I think, imagine that I am. So that, of course, I think that we can improve our models of the world and get uh, way, enable them to intervene more effectively. And they can be immensely just, powerful. You keep saying intervention. It isn't intervention that science is all about. It's about understanding. Well, there, 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 there we do disagree. So yeah. Stephen Hawking said in Brief History of Time that he, was, that he thought that we were getting closer to the mind of God with, 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 with the idea of a theory of everything. I, I don't want to confuse that with the sense I don't think he was trying to be religious. No, so he was just trying to say science could actually get to a point where it's understood everything. He, in the later, latter parts of his life, he gave up that idea in favour of the notion of, of competing models and trying to improve those models. And that's because the theological story of science, that it is actually trying, it is succeeding in describing reality in some fundamental way, has no foundation in any decent theory. You can't identify any realist theory of the way that theories apply to the world that works. Quantum and, theory works. Sorry? Quantum theory Well, works. Heisenberg gave up on no, the idea. No, of, he, in, in, in his no. book, Physics and Philosophy, amateur, he gives up on the idea that physics amateur, is capable of this, describing reality. This is an, who cares about authority? I mean, you're appealing to authority for your arguments. And, and that seems to me to be the last resort of a, both a theologian and a philosopher. Let's look at what that science actually does. It sets up the equations for the behaviour of matter. Where it can, it solves them. And when it has solved them, it finds extraordinary agreement with observation. That is the foundation of claiming that science is providing understanding. Well... The question is whether it's uh, describing a final description. It's certainly enabling us to do things and, indeed, to no, determine what happens in a certain experimental situation. But that's a different no, thing it from insight. somehow describing the it ultimate laws of the universe. Into the workings of the world. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Philosophy for Our Times. Remember to like, subscribe and review wherever you listen. Tune in next week for more big ideas from the world's leading thinkers.